And good morning. It is 9.35. Joining me now, our good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lampson. You got two Master Gardeners expertise here. And Barb, I know the talk for a lot of folks in gardening has been those Japanese beetles. And I have been diligently going out there before work, when I go home for lunch, when I get home from work, and before I go to bed. And I've been picking them off, picking them off. And I've got a bucket of a couple hundred of them. It's a bucket with soap in it, you know, soapy water. And you dump them in there and then they... Well, they drown, so. Well, yes, exactly. I don't feel bad. You know, <laughs> normally I wouldn't like to kill something, but I'm like, uh, you're eating all my plants, so goodbye. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that's surprising to me is um, they are an equal opportunity plant eater. Oh. They And they eat, yeah. the, they eat the leaves and they eat the blooms. Oh, and yes. They eat the everything. Well, you know, I was <laughs> shocked that, that my crab apple tree even was being demolished. De- demolished by them because they were just <coughs> just the crab apples they were uh, the crab apple tree which I didn't think would be desirable but they were and then I also <coughs> noticed that they are of course they're in my hibiscus which I always do they've been eating my green beans and they're on my lilies and I found some on my rose last night so you know they are like you said an equal opportunity I'll eat whatever's there yeah yeah it's such a such a problem I and <coughs> excuse me all right so Barb when you get your voice back uh, <laughs> You okay? All um, right. There so, you go, Barb. Um, it, my class this week, I wanted the kids to see what the Japanese beetle looked like. I and bet you didn't have a hard, hard time finding them, did you? No. So I went out early in the morning, and I picked beetles, and I put them in plastic bags so that they could each look and have their own to examine. And we used our spy glasses, and, and they thought they were pretty amazing. As a matter of fact, I got a, there were so many beetles, and as I thrust them in there, a couple of them were sticking together, and they thought that was amazing, the way they were fighting. Well, I think there. they were breeding, too, probably, because I, I find <laughs> I, but, but, uh, You didn't but, get into that, probably. No, no, I didn't, and I said, yeah, probably they are fighting you know so (laughs) oh my goodness yeah because my son has been my collector of them and grant's been really helping me get them too we examined them with our spy glasses with our magnifying glass and and then i also bought samples of the leaves of things they were eating so we had them in different stages where they were almost the leaf was almost totally decimated well they skeletonize them so it looks like 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 a stained glass window and if there was pretty little colors between it would be beautiful yeah yeah. But it's not on your plant. And and then the uh, once they start eating on the leaf, it also causes the leaf to 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 get a black substance on it around the edge. So and then we looked for eggs, which of course we didn't find any, but we found a lot of this black stuff. And uh, that's not frass, is it? And no, it, I it's don't. Not, huh? I don't. I just thought maybe it was something that they bring to the plant, and when they eat, the leaf is exposed, and then that occurs. Oh, okay. So I'm. I. I don't know what it is, but so that's been our lesson on. Uh, insects and uh, we've talked about how to control them and of course in our class we're just simply uh, we haven't had any there yet but if we find something of uh, another type of a bug we pick it off so uh, it it's a it's a good lesson and I was talking to uh, Shane at Shane Bajega ex- who is the county extension officer uh, here. yes and uh, the expert and he said a good time and he, and he agreed a good safe way is to pick them off the plant and put them in soapy water 
and then uh, do this in the morning. He said they're more sluggish in the morning. They're easier to locate. They're not moving around. But I find that there aren't as many out in the morning because I find when the sun comes out, that brings them out because I've been on, like I said, I've been on patrol all around, well, not all around the clock, but as much as I can. And so this morning, I literally, I didn't find any, which, you know, normally I would, but when it gets warmer out, they're out. And yes, he is right. They are sluggish and you can catch them easier because in the day when it's hot and sunny, sometimes they'll fly away. From yes, you, you get your hand up there to get one and then they just take off really fast. Well, I'm wondering, Karen, where they, um, if if they leave the area that they've been eating on, like these wonderful big hibiscus blooms that I have. So they're closing up at night. So does the Japanese beetle go someplace else? And then the next day, as the bloom opens up, they rush up there together. I had five beetles on one bloom. Does well, that... I have found them coming in before the bloom even opens. When it's just starting to open, yeah. they will they will get lodged their way in, and then the flower opens, and it's full of holes be, You know, before it's had a chance to even get sure. open. But you talked to Shane about control, and you know, I mentioned that I've been trying the diametaceous earth, right. which you can get, and it's not harmful for anything. In fact, I mentioned some people even use it for cosmetic reasons and things, for softening their skin, but you spread that around, and you said, Shane said that works on yeah, them too. He said that that seems to be effective, and that was his exact words, that seems to be effective, and if it's, and just tried, he said one of the reasons we have such an abundance of the Japanese beetles this year is because we had that late snow and that just provided a cover for them to warm up in it was it wasn't so so we had it was the weather really that made it so conducive to them to just keep overpopulating just keep breeding and breeding and laying their eggs so there we are maybe if we have a, a dry cold spell this winter it maybe maybe it'll take them out we don't know well you know that affects a lot of things too with with the, the the life cycle of whether the weather has a lot to do with it whether it's wet spring or dry spring and so many things so I guess every year it's like being a garden you have a little different problem each each year and you kind of have to deal with it as it comes along you know another thing that I'm going to do um, this fall I have a porcelain berry vine, which I just, I remember when it was introduced and we started seeing it around here, just gets these porcelain blue berries on it. The leaves are variegated green and white. It grows very, very easily. And I put it in and I moved it into a couple different spots. Well, I have it on my front porch and it's just loaded with beetles. So, and now for something like that, I have to get on a stepladder to get up to the top. I can, and you know, hand picking when it's low, that's fine. But getting on a stepladder, and and it's not exactly like I've got even ground there. So that whole planting is going to be dug out. And I also heard that that the porcelain berries can be a bit invasive too, if they, <clears throat> because the seeds can be spread by birds. So yes, and and that is true. And with all this rain we've had, I noticed that at the base of this. Uh, vine, I have several that are coming ah, because okay. the the berries have come off are in previous years, I think, and they're coming up all over. So I can see where they're invasive. And I also thought that this would be a great companion plant to plant with a clematis. So you'd have this this texture, this green and white texture, and I had this white blooming clematis, and I could envision mm-hmm. this as being something glorious. Well, that 
porcelain berry vine will take over. Uh-huh. It will subdue and it will it will cover the clematis very quickly. So I have that in two spots that's going to be dug out. So that's that's prevention. If you have something and uh, and you think that that's a favorite uh, or or being destructive, just get out your spade and take care of it. But you know that is hard sometimes because sometimes you pay good money for some plants yes. and then they turn out not to be what you had hoped or somehow it didn't work out. Yes. And then you you have to like you said either dig them out or something right. or they die. That's disappointing, too. You know, I had a friend visiting the garden yesterday, and uh, I told her that they were that was on the list to be dug out, and she said, how can that be invasive? She said, I can barely get it to grow on my property. I said, well, you Right know. condition? Yeah. Right place? Yep. Yeah. So, and the other thing is that I've seen, there's a subdivision in town here, which has new landscaping in it. And I've seen lithrum in there. Lithrum. I'm not sure that. What is that? It, it's it's on the list of things that we should not plant. It's it. The birds carry the seeds. Oh, it's pretty though. I'm looking at the picture. It's it's, it's, it's very. People think it's very pretty. It looks like a salvia that, but the, but it's pink, right? A, and it's that pinky mauvey color. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it it, it just multiplies in wetlands. It's very, very bad for their... Invasive. Yeah, very, very invasive. And here about 25 years ago, we found out about this, and we all took it out of our garden. I mean, we had these big, beautiful plants, but we wanted to do the right thing, and we took it out of the garden. Now... I'm driving through a new subdivision, and I see two houses there that have it. And I thought, really? Is this being sold in the store again? Well, now, the question is, is it a new hybrid that's, you know, designed or, or bred so it doesn't to be invasive? I mean, that's the thing. I Because some, some things, they, I know they can breed them so they're maybe not as invasive, and hopefully it's not. But if it is, then uh, yeah. that's a bad thing. And, and did they get it from a, a nursery? Because you'd think most reputable nurseries will pay attention to that, or at least you would hope. <clears throat> you you would hope that they um, they have read this, but it's it's old information too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I think we get um, slack. Uh, we, we see that we don't see that being sold in stores, or and we don't think that it's available anymore. But we've forgotten that that was invasive, and so we need to. If we've conquered a problem, let's not reintroduce it to the same problem again. So. That, that's true. And hey, now's a good time to buy bulbs, by the way. I don't know about you, but if I get, you know, catalogs, and of course that means they have your information, so I get a plethora of emails from all these companies, 50% off today, 20% off today, buy $40 worth and get, you know, half free, blah, 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 blah. So, um, but they're selling bulbs now, and I have found to order early if you want certain kinds because they do run out. So, I mean, uh, you can wait till there's better sales and you just have less choice. But it is something that is you'll see out now in catalogs and things and they'll start to sell them in stores because uh, August is the time, the end of August, September, the time to start planting bulbs. So if you're thinking about planting bulbs for fall to get beautiful color in spring, think about ordering if you don't want to miss out on something specific. Yes, Yes, that's so true. The other thing that's important about that, Karen, is find out from them, call their hotline, and find out exactly when they're shipping to your zone. Because, you know, last year I waited for bulbs, and finally what I did was I 
dug the holes and improved the soil where it was going to go. And it was October before they got here. Okay. And they really need to be in the ground earlier than that. So they have a chance to get started. Yeah. Especially when you when it's something that's more expensive. Right. You, know, you don't want to take a chance on something like that. So uh, find out. Call their hotline. Find out. Say, now, okay. So when you say September, is that the first of September or is that the end of September? Right. And I, I looked, um, I was looking in a catalog and because I knew we were going to be chatting about this, I, one of the said for, uh, the catalog said for your zone, shipping will be between August and December. And I thought, oh my goodness, if it gets in here in December, I mean, there was one year when I planted some bulbs December 7th, which is yes. not the, the ideal, but I could because I had some for, I forgot. But I mean, that is a good reason why to buy it's locally. It's not recommended. Buy yeah. Lo- yeah, good reason to buy locally in your, your store where you yes. can get it at the right time. And you know, the other thing that I, that I have in my, one of the catalogs that I've received, um, are some of the new introductions of Asiatic lilies. Now, I never thought of planting bulbs, lily bulbs, in the fall. Now, I haven't either because I I know when uh, Drummers gives away an Asiatic lily bulb in the spring, so I right. assume that's when you're supposed to I, do it. I always thought so, too, because uh, as far as I know, uh, do they establish, put down roots in the winter? I don't know. And would you have a greater chance of them being eaten up? I don't know. That's uh, something we better, you know, before we recommend y- anything, we better find Yeah, out but so if they're in your in your catalog like they are in mine, um, I'm not so sure if that's a, a normal practice or not. I could see ordering them in the spring and getting them in, even early and potting them up so you got a head start on things. But I never thought about ordering them in the fall and planting them. And then here again, I imagine it's going to depend on when their shipping date is. So it is, we we are getting into our, our zone four is warmer, but it's not that much warmer. Right. So, yeah. And I, so I'd have to look that up. And I, yeah, you know, yeah. my son Grant is now breeding lilies. So I'm going to be ordering more lilies. So he has more opportunities to mix things up. So when you go to the Nicola County Fair, he has a poster that he did talking about his lily breeding program. Well, that's great. And that's so exciting. And I hope other people do that too. You know, it's interesting, even without being a breeder, if you're raising perennials or annuals, whatever, in your garden, and you let things go to seed, even with the perennials, uh, they they have this chance, they have hybridized with something else, and you have this new plant. And I was looking, phlox now are one of those plants, and uh, I don't know if they have the extra chromosomes like some of the daylilies do, but what a variation you get in that shade of purple, lilac, um, uh, more of a mauvey color. It, it's just it's just tremendous, and it's so interesting. You don't have to, and you shouldn't save every plant that comes up, but let it bloom once, and if you like it and you like the color, you know, save it. Well, I had that with my delphinians. I planted for the first time after I saw your delphinians and saw how beautiful they were. I had got one that was kind of a purple that had a mauve, and it was just kind of... Um, bi-colored just beautiful but this year alongside it came up another one that was totally dark purple which made me think it reverted back maybe to it's one of the original parent colors so if you things go to seed that can happen too yes so now i've got multi-colors in the garden because of that yeah i think i think that's so much fun and that's one reason why you shouldn't get out in the garden in the spring with a hoe and start (laughs) hoeing around i like to pull weeds it's a lot slower but uh 
if there's an area where I had something where I think it might have receded or there's going to be a sport, I, I like to stay out of there until I see what's really going to come up. Give it a chance. And that's the way you discover these these amazing things. I also have a double red fringed poppy in my garden. It's blooming now? It It is. Okay. It, it's an annual. You know, it's not a perennial. And it... Uh, and it's late. So the first one started um, in the end of June blooming. And now here's a few that were in more of a shaded area. But what a range in color. They go to almost, I would call it a dirty pink. And then they go to a uh, a red-blue and then more of a, a red, a deeper, darker red. So those three ranges, you'll see them. And that's really fun. And some of them have the the fringe around the edge some of them have more fringe some of them have less fringe so it's it's really interesting that's that's the great part about having a variety of things it, in the garden it always amazes me to see things that you know like with fringes it's just plants and it just amazes me the the differences you can have i don't know if you saw when i when you came in this morning but i had picked a king tut papyrus from my garden yes. that is almost as tall as me and it it's um well a papyrus it's long, thick green stem, and on the top, it looks like a green fireworks have just burst out because it's right. all like strings like that. And so I want to say that that's a, a plant that I would recommend for next year. I'm going to plant more of those. In the past, I've done one called uh, Prince Tut. It's not as big, and I've done Baby Tut, not as big. But this King Tut papyrus has such a dramatic effect. It's just like watching fireworks right outside your window in green, and then I've got surrounding it some other colored plants. But, uh, you know... And, and are, are you using King Tut in your uh, water... In your uh, My pond, pond? Yes. yes. Yes, I have yeah. a King Tut in my pond, but, you know, that one didn't get as big as the one in my... Um, the one in the, the container by the house. Now, the one by, container by the house is more shaded, so mm -hmm. I don't know if that has something to do with it or the fact that the one in the pond kept tipping over. And <laughs> I had papyrus for years, but I always brought it in in the fall. Oh, you, well, this is going to be, I mean, this is over five feet tall, so I said to my husband, I said, should we bring this? And he goes, well, we could try, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, and of course, the variety I had was was not designed to grow that big, and it never did. Yeah. But it, it did it did amazingly well, and um, I would put some in my a pond and I would keep some in the just in a container and and I liked it I like that texture and that airiness the and it moves with the wind it I, looks I, tropical too it, so. it's very very nice very very nice looking which reminds me of tropical my cannas have been infested by Japanese beetles oh I've been picking off every day on those oh, cannas. Who would have thought you know, they, well, no, I. That's one of the first things they go to in my garden is oh. the cannas. They lo well in the hibiscus, but they love those, and they they just ruin the leaves because they suck the holes. I oh, mean, they do it. It, it and looks, the flowers. Yeah, it looks absolutely terrible. You know, we were talking about variation in things, and so we have two things to compare in our window here at the foundation building where we have plants, house plants, and you have a, a sense of area, which uh, is also known as a mother-in-law tongue. Yes, or some people call it um, snake plant uh, and bowstring plant because uh, they used to make uh, violin strings from the. Oh, uh, I didn't know th that. They would spin them the le the fine fibers, and so I brought one because I told you that this plant will bloom and they're they're really gorgeous. They have this this flower spike that comes up with these 
very, very small blooms on it, and they're very fragrant. So you will smell them before you even see them. You'll smell this absolute fragrance that's coming. And so if you look at these two plants, the edging on the one you've got, it has a yellow edge all the way up this long sword-like stem. They're very, and, they're very like a rubbery, uh, very stiff leaf. Yes, they yeah. And, up, and it, they are actually almost a lethal weapon. Yeah. I told you this morning when I brought mine in, I had my safety glasses on. <laughs> yeah, you, I, Barb came in and she was wearing her safety glasses. And I kind of looked at her kind of funny, like, why are you wearing your safety glasses for the radio? And she says, well, I've got this plant. Yeah. And and it's it, those spiky things, you could poke oh. yourself in the eye, you could poke yourself someplace, and they don't bend, they don't give. I mean, they're like right. hard. So, uh, but it's interesting that that plant blooms. And that's the only plant, that's the only time I've had a plant, a Sansevieria that did bloom is is this one. Years ago, I used to have it and it would never bloom. And this one I started with with a piece from somebody else's. It was just one of those um, tall, spear-like the pieces. And I rooted it and put it in soil. And it has just went gangbusters ever since. I've never had mine bloom yet. So it'll be cool to see yours bloom. And we've got them on the same window um, right area here, them. so yeah. we can compare and see it. And the height and that the shape is it's just it's just that that variance from plant to plant that's so very very interesting. They have the same light requirements. They don't need a lot of light. They no. don't need a lot of water. As a matter of fact, people say they they thrive on neglect. I think that's pretty close to being true. But they do. You have to water them once in a while. I mean, you can't leave them. <laughs> right. You, you can't leave them for day. years or something like that and neglect them. But uh, yeah, and you repot them every once in a while because they they do keep filling yes. out as well. I was going to say now is the time to assess things, how things are going outside because my gardens are in full bloom now. I've got the daylilies out. I've got everything. So it's a great time to take pictures in your yard and then you can look at them and see what looks good maybe and what you want to change for next year. But I can't think of a better time than doing it now because I don't know about you, but my yard is in full color. Yes, it is. You know, I I have got to mark some things. I'm going to do I like color coding with 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 uh, wooden stakes and oh, do you yes oh. and and I'm going to do red stakes and that means divide me okay. so <laughs> so when it's it's either going to happen late this fall or it's going to happen early in the spring so we'll see how much time I've got but so I'm going to make I'm gonna paint red stakes divide me and then I if I'm really being smart I will put the ones that I divide someplace that says that will be for the plant sale next year. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you I love things and I love them so much and I can't bear to part with them and I don't like to disturb them. And one of those things uh, is my Paul's Glory Hosta. It's so big now. And so is Blue Angel. It's so big. I am not sure that I, I think David would have to dig it out for me because they have such a massive root on them. Why do you want to dig it out? It, it's taken up this great big space. But that's what they do. Because that's the thing. When you get a hosta, they seem so tiny when you first get them. Yeah. And it'll say will grow to 72 inches wide, like the big woo or the yeah. um, Empress woo. Right. And so, I mean, I've still got it. And it's still in its little little place. But, you know, if, if you let it grow to its full potential, like, you know, they hosta growers would. Yeah, they're just so maybe yeah. I should just leave that. You yeah, know, if you want it to be a full <clears throat> potential, I moved um, this year. I moved orange marmalade, and uh, and it did very very well. But 
it has had the benefit of rainwater and keeping it really well watered. And I put it into an improved, uh, <clears throat> I had uh, put in a bunch of the compost, improved the soil so it's got good drainage, plus it's got good nutrients in there. Plus I'm talking to it and I'm saying, I'm glad you're so happy here because I love you here too. Well, what I did with my orange marmalade, I actually dug it up because it had too much sun, so it was getting scorched. Mm. And then I had another hosta that the, this is one of these that I planted from a root, a bare root, so it wasn't very big. And the slugs had pretty much got it down to one teeny little leaf. So I actually dug that up and I put it in a pot because my, my husband says, well, why don't you just put it out somewhere else in the, the lot? And I said, well, no. So now I'm babying it in a pot and it's starting to grow new leaves. So sometimes you have to do that. And then I replaced it with the orange marmalade in more shade. Sure. And that's something else you should note too. There are times when some plant just it may look good when you got it at the greenhouse and you bring it home in your spot for some reason it's not doing well. You may have to re rethink of where it is yep yep so if you're if you're digging something and moving it you know do it on an overcast day don't do it in the when it's 90 up in the 90s oh right it's it's it should start um we'll have to see what august is like it's so unpredictable this weekend the last few days have been perfect yes oh that's that's great weather as long as you can continue to water the other thing is if you're not doing something like that it Really, I have found the best time to fertilize perennials is in the spring. It's not now because now fertilize. You said fertilize. Yeah, fertilize. Oh yeah, not now. You don't, no, not don't be now. fertilizing now. Absolutely huh? not now because you want them to start. Um, they bloomed, and now you want them just to kind of just keep their status quo. You know that right. they've done their big thing. So, but and if you've got you know organic. It, uh, uh, material that you can incorporate into the top inch or two of soil. You can do that. That's oh, always anytime. a good yeah, thing. Yeah, your to do. compost, perfect. Sure. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, if you didn't have time to plant peas this spring, now is your second uh, opportunity to do that. Get your peas in the ground and you yes. will have peas. And you can do peas, you can do <laughs> radish, you can do spinach, you can do lettuce. Sometimes if you get some that aren't such long, uh, you could even do beets. Um, so you've got about 60 days left. So look at some, you know, give or take, depends on the year. But uh, there are things you can still plant now. Right. But you'll have to keep them watered because August can be hot and dry. That's right. So look at the package. It'll always tell you 50 days to harvest, 60 days to harvest, and then that's about it. Hey, quick, did you go to the Blue Earth County Fair this year or haven't you had a chance? I, I haven't been there yet, but I plan to go out and check things out. I thought you were going with Mrs. Jensen on the bus. You know what? I had got company, and that oh. was so unpredictable. So so that was the way that went. But uh, I understand that we're going to be able to go to the St. Peter Fair, too, on the bus. The Nicola County Fair, that's right. Yes, 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 exactly. And, and check out the displays. There will be Master Gardeners, I think, at Blue Earth County to sure. answer questions, and, and I think Nicola County has some as well. So it's always a great opportunity to see what people have produced and just have a good time. It's also a great time. There's lots of plant sales. If you want to get some nice shrubs, oh, my goodness, my uh, hydrangeas are just oh. That they've never been better. Strawberry vanilla or yes. vanilla strawberry. It's loaded from the top to the bottom with blooms on it. Just a few of them are starting to turn pink and looks great. Um, and the other one's lima lime. Just looking great. It's going to be a great year. And guess what? 
I shouldn't say this, but there aren't any Japanese beetles on them yet. Knock on wood, Barb. Don't even say that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. Thank you very much. All right. It's always great to talk with Barb. If you have any gardening questions, you know, Barb is around and she can answer the phone right now. If if maybe we miss something and then it's a topic we can talk about later, please call at 507-389-5678. That's 389-5678. And Barb can uh, answer any of your questions we may not have covered. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Barb. All right. It's two minutes past 10, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning at KMSU Radio, 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSU.